Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 197. We are on day 10 of 13. We've got episode 198, 199 and 200 to go. It is the Warrior School's The Warrior School Podcasts (laughs) uh, fourth birthday on Friday, June 30th. So we're almost there. We're celebrating her birthday by doing a podcast sprint. I declared that I wanted to get to episode 200 for her fourth birthday. And so for the past week... I have been doing a lot of podcasting and we have three episodes to go. It's been a big week Uh, and it's Monday. It's Monday at 3 p.m. in the afternoon and here we are recording episode 197. (sighs) I'm going to have a few days off at the end of the week. I'm going to take Friday, Saturday, Sunday and part of Monday off to rest. After this sprint, we did a live uh, coaching call on the weekend inside of Warrior School and the call was all about creating their 90-day training plans. But a big theme of that call was around this idea of resets, And how in our life, you know, we take a lot on sometimes. We go for sprints, we go for challenges, and we need time to reset and recover from those. Or maybe there's times in our lives where we get really stuck and we feel really blah, uh, directionlessness, anxiousness, uh, we feel unmotivated. And so going through a reset can really help us uh, move out of that, you know, move out of away from those feelings of stuckness. And then the third reason why we potentially might need to go through a reset is that maybe we've gone unconscious in a certain area of our life, uh, which sometimes happens. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I like to view your life as an umbrella. And there are many prongs in that umbrella. Uh, There are many prongs that make up your life. So we have our training prong, our health prong, our food prong, our work prong, career prong, relationship prong. And sometimes some of those areas, we go a little unconscious in them because other prongs are taking up a lot of our attention and awareness. So the third reason we potentially might do a reset is that we really want to bring some consciousness back into a particular prong or a particular area of our life. So in our coaching call, we went through uh, a bunch of prompts and questions to help my warriors get clear on what they wanted to reset before we move into a really big September. 
So we're going to run another Warrior Queen Challenge in September, which is very exciting. Uh, So that's on the cards and that will be after we finish all of our Confidently Ever After events. Uh, The next one is in Nashville on the 12th of August. So it was a really cool call and I think I'll actually do a podcast episode on this idea of resets or we can also think of it as recovery. Um, So I'm going to take one of those (laughs) at the end of this week and it's much needed. But today we're going to talk about breasts, breast health and the perfect sports bra. I'm really excited to bring you this podcast uh, topic. I have been reading about it and researching it for a number of days now, just like the pregnancy and postpartum podcast that I did. I really needed to brush up on a lot of reading and research. And so (laughs) I have been in the weeds uh, reading and researching all things breast health uh, and sports bras. (laughs) (laughs) over the last few days, which is super fun. I've actually really enjoyed doing some of these podcast episodes where I had to dive a little bit deeper into some of the science and the research. So hopefully today you find this really helpful. Uh, How I want to kind of play it out, uh, how I want to spend our time together today, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about my boob story (laughs) and training And then I'm going to go into talking about uh, breasts or the breasts, so the anatomy and structure of them. Then we're going to talk about the history of the bra and we'll finish up our conversation today talking about how to choose the right sports bra. You know, what is the science saying? What are they doing in that field? There's actually some really, really cool uh, women in this in this field that are doing some really powerful work. All right, you're ready. Shall we do it? Okay. All right. So I have decently sized boobs, uh, and do you know what? One of the things that I have not done in a while that doing this podcast episode, doing the research, doing the re like the reading on it has motivated me to do is actually go and get fitted, properly fitted again. I have been in the past, uh, but as you'll learn in today's episode, our breasts actually, the size and shape can change uh, as we age, as we go through different seasons of our lives. uh, And it's really important that we get fitted, which we're going to talk about at the end. So I actually haven't been fitted for a proper sports bra in a very long time. And which is not a good thing. But I just wanted to tell you a little bit about my experience with having breasts and training and exercising. So I've been active. I've been training since I was three years old. I started gymnastics when I was three. Uh, I was quite competitive in uh, gymnastics until I was around 10 or 11. And then my family moved and they didn't have a strong gymnastics program where we moved uh, on the far north coast up near Byron Bay. 
So I started to dance and then I danced and played competitive field hockey all throughout high school. I've also been in a gym uh, since I was about 14 or 15 years old. And I was really trying to remember when I was planning and preparing for this podcast, you know, if I could recall, you know, what it felt like to train and move and not have breasts and then go through puberty and have them. And I actually can't recall that memory. Uh, so most or all of my memories when it comes to training and exercise have been with breasts and breasts that are a decent size. Uh, as I said, I haven't been fitted, but I am a D and they're has been times in my life where I've been a C uh, and times that I have been a double D. But I would say currently now I sit at a D cup. But I also couldn't tell you what I measure around the strap or around the rib cage because I also haven't done that uh, either. Uh, so my mum had really big boobs. So did my auntie and my grandma has really big boobs. My aunt and my mum actually got a breast reduction because their boobs actually caused them a lot of pain and discomfort and restriction in movement. And today we'll talk about uh, the percentage of women and female athletes that actually say that having, you know, decently sized breasts can cause them a lot of pain and discomfort, especially when it comes to training. So I come from a line of decently sized boobs, uh, but I think I got the biggest boobs out of me and my two other sisters. I think they have decent sized boobs. Uh, I'm not sure. I I haven't asked them in a long time what size their boobs are. They both have had children. One of my sisters has three kids and the other one has two. So potentially their boobs uh, have changed shape and size over, you know, the, the course of that season of their life, birthing little humans into the world. And maybe you listening, you can recall your boobs being one size at a particular time in your life. And maybe they're another size now, or they changed, uh, you know, during pregnancy, obviously they do change. <laughs> they get big. Uh, but maybe after, you know, they are a different shape and a different size. And when it comes to feeling confident exercising and in the gym, breasts are a really big part of that story. I was trying to think back to when I really started to notice mine during exercise or training. And I think it was the time, it was around the time when I started to run a lot. So after I finished high school, I went and did my undergrad in exercise science and nutrition and I started to run a lot. One, because I wasn't good at longer distance running. I had always done uh, sprint training during high school. So I like to, you know, try to get better at things that I'm not good at. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I think that's a lie. <laughs> I actually don't like doing things that I'm not good at. 
but I do hold the curiosity around could I get good at that so I wasn't that great at running Uh, I wanted to get better run longer perfect my gait Uh, and so I started to run a lot and that's when I really noticed my breasts because they they were moving and grooving a lot and so I started to wear two sports bras two like tight crop toppy type sports bras and I can remember these times on runs especially longer distance runs where it would they would be so tight it felt like it was restricting my breathing and then I the straps would dig into my shoulders and my traps and often after a run you know getting out of the sports bra have you ever had like a really hard upper body session and you've got a really tight sports bra on or a really hard training session and you've got a sports bra on that you have to pull over your head and you have a hard time like crossing your arms and reaching you know beside your rib cage to like pull it pull it off (laughs) I remember feeling like that so many times on my runs because you know, I'd spent 5K, 10K in these two sports bras and then trying to get them off at the end and they were just so tight and they would rub on my shoulders and I and then the sweat would build up, you know, in between my boobs and it would be so sweaty and hot because there was two sports bras on there. And that was the time I was like, there's got to be a better way here. And I went and got fitted and got a proper sports bra, an encapsulated one. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we, we get to picking the perfect sports bra. But then there's been other times in, you know, the last decade or so that I've definitely noticed them. Uh, and during Olympic weightlifting, there's been times where I... I have noticed my boobs <laughs> lifting. Uh, when you are doing Olympic weightlifting, you're doing the snatch and the clean and jerk. And so the snatch is your hands are really wide on the bar. You're starting from the floor or the ground and then you snatch it. So the bar comes up your legs into your hips. Then your elbows come high up. So you're pulling the bar and it does land land between or it gets pulled to you know the height of like your belly button or just under your boobs and then the clean is also from the floor where you're cleaning it up so same bar path but your hands are closer together and then you're pulling the bar up with your elbows the goal is to try to get the bar you know around belly button height so you can pull underneath it essentially And I do remember multiple times just pulling the bar a bit too high and it's smashing into the bottom of my boobs. But (laughs) more so, I remember the multiple times that the bar smashed into my pubic bone. Uh, It's not meant to, but sometimes if you don't pull it correctly, uh, we called it humping the bar where the hip would fly forward uh, instead of the bar coming to your hip. So the bar always comes to the hip. The hip doesn't come to the bar. That's kind of like a saying that we say 
in Olympic weightlifting. But sometimes when the hip came to the bar, well, it was the vagina and we'd get this like humping the bar or smashing the bar with our pubic bone. So uh, so there, ha- there has been times lifting that I've noticed my boobs. Uh, where I notice them a lot in my training is through jump training. So through plyometrics uh, and some when I do some sprint training, I still notice them then. But this morning I was actually doing my session and I was warming up with some plyometric work and that's when I noticed my boobs the most, jumping up and down and not having uh, the proper support on. I actually have to hold my boobs or like I put my forearms on the side of my rib cage and kind of squish my boobs in, up and in. Uh, while I'm bouncing or jumping up and down. Again, I should have had a better sports bra on this morning, but I didn't. But I often find myself at the gym doing plyometrics and I really notice the, it's not pain, it's just discomfort. It feels uncomfortable when you've got these two big jugs of weight on your chest, bouncing up and down and you're trying to focus on being springy and jumping (laughs) Uh, and focusing on your lower body. There's just like these big breasts in your road. Uh, And I guess, you know, I notice them when I do other things uh, as well. So upper body stuff uh, sometimes, especially on the rings. A lot of my women actually... We have quite a funny joke inside of warrior school. So when my warriors do push-ups, close grip, you know, tricep base push-ups, one of my standards is chest to the ground. Uh, And (laughs) we often joke that it's uh, a lot uh, longer to the ground for those that don't have very much on their chest than it is for those that actually have quite big boobs. And it's kind of true. If you think about it, uh, but and it's that's just a funny side note. But women will notice, yeah, notice it in push-ups. They'll notice it a lot running, um, and uh, some weightlifting movements. But a lot of women will report like jumping and plyometric work can be quite uncomfortable. Uh, and then I'm sure even in your daily life. Uh, that you notice, you know, when they get in the road, when (laughs) they're a little bit uncomfortable. Many women that I've worked with that who have larger breasts report higher, you know, rates of uh, migraines and neck discomfort, upper back discomfort. Um, And I actually have one warrior where she experiences a lot of rib stuff uh, and one of the variables or contributing factors to that is the size of her chest, uh, which is uh, quite common. So it changes the posture, changes the load. The, uh, a, lot of, a lot of women actually have quite a tight T-spine, uh, the thoracic spine. Think of the section that sits just behind your bra strap and have quite weak um, upper back muscles. So the muscles that are surrounding the scapula And often it's because, you know, thinking back to when we went through puberty and we got breasts, especially as young girls with larger breasts, we really tried to hide them 
And so that changed our posture. We became more shoulder forward. Also, it's a lot of weight on our chest. And so we haven't done a lot of um, posterior chain work. So uh, strengthening the muscles of the the back. Uh, We have this imbalance which pulls us forward. And so posturally, um, you know, we've got more of this stuck, rounded T-spine, which uh, really affects our quality of life. When I actually worked at Lululemon, we obviously sold sports bras. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I think choosing new active wear, new Lycra is really exciting. Let's be honest, you know, Finding something that looks sexy or cute, that's comfortable, that makes our butt feel really good, that we just feel really great in, we feel really confident in, is a really important part of training. I often say that all the time to my warriors. If we, you know, want to go next level in our training or we want to build more confidence, what you're wearing is really important. You need to feel comfortable in that. And I think I haven't found the exact stat uh, and Carson and I were talking about it the other day. I don't know how he knew this, but (laughs) I think he was talking to somebody um, through his clinic or the practice around how many times females will actually adjust their active wear during training, during a session, specifically their sports bra. And so I was really starting to, I was just trying to think about how many times I touch my sports bra bra when I train. And this morning when I was training, I think I touched my bra or adjusted it at least a dozen times in the session. And that just blew my mind. I'll often adjust my tights, you know, I'll say even working, uh, you know, I've worked for Lululemon before and they make amazing uh, product, really good gear. And I've worn Lycra my whole entire life through gymnastics, through dance, through being in the gym. I've worn Lululemon for, you know, 16 years or so. Uh, And it's, you can't, I have never found the perfect pair of tights that I haven't had to adjust or touch during training and I feel like it's the same for the sports bra probably even it's even harder to find a really good sports bra that you feel comfortable in that's supportive that you feel confident in that looks half decent that you you know potentially if you wanted to take your shirt off that you wouldn't be embarrassed by this ugly contraption (laughs) that's underneath your top. Uh, So I get it, you know, being in really cool lycra and activewear is part of the fun when it comes to training, Uh, especially when there's like an abundance of beautiful lycra and activewear out there. And I think it's really easy to choose maybe our tights and our tops, even our footwear. But what a lot of women really struggle with is their sports bra and finding the perfect sports bra where there's this beautiful balance between comfort and them being aesthetically pleasing to the eye (laughs) and helping our confidence. So when I was working at Lululemon, 
this was years and years ago and they just hadn't put the time and the effort into studying bras and breast support properly. So often I would recommend these women that would come in, especially with larger bust size, larger breasts, to go and actually get support from a proper bra fitting place where they actually measure you and find you know the right bandwidth the right cup size they find the right strap style they actually put you on you know a treadmill and they analyze your breast movement and so you could be fitted for a proper sports bra uh, but brands have come a long way and we'll talk through that when we go through the sports bra section So I thought it'd be cool just to talk a little bit about breasts and what are they, what are they made up of, you know, why is it important to support them, especially during training and exercise. So breasts are complex. There's a lot going on, Uh, but they are soft tissue masses of varying densities that lie over the the pec muscles so the pectoralis muscles because they don't have any muscles within the breasts uh, no bones no hard structures they're a little unruly (laughs) Uh, for those of you who have decent sized breasts and when you don't wear any support they're going it they're going everywhere They're going side to side, up and down, around and about. They like to move. They are very unruly structures. (laughs) So when the torso moves, there are no bones or muscles to act as this internal like scaffolding or support system to really prevent the breast tissue from being stretched or pulled. So essentially, we've got this collection of fat and tissue held to the body by ligaments and skin. And those ligaments and skin are called Cooper's ligaments. And the issue is that neither of these is very strong. (laughs) And they naturally extend with age over time. But exercise without supporting them properly are... results in them actually stretching even more. So some of the research says that they can stretch up to two centimeters during high intensity, high impact workouts if they aren't supported properly. So how much and how fast a breast moves depends on cup size, the intensity of the activity, which is really force equals mass times acceleration. And a a 2018 study from Portsmouth University, and they are really the leaders in breast science and breast research, which is really cool. And I'll pop a couple of links to their work in the show notes. But they found that breasts can move up to 14 centimeters during exercise if left unsupported. And another study showed that breast displacement ranges from four to 15 centimeters when running with no bra on. 
that's quite a lot of movement. Uh, but it can actually be really hard to study breaths in motion as they move in multiple directions. So not only do they travel vertically, so up and down, they also shift side to side and they move in and out and they create this figure eight pattern. It's kind of like butterfly wings uh, on a piece of paper or the way some other researchers describe it is that the way they stretch uh, and change shape is kind of like a water balloon on a (laughs) yo-yo. I kind of like that visual. They started studying breasts in motion around the 1980s, but they've really come up against a lot of technical constraints when trying to capture capture all three dimensions of breast motion. And it wasn't until the mid-2010s, so this is not that long ago, that the lab at Portsmouth University got a new three-dimensional motion capture system. So previously, especially in the 1980s, they had to take pictures, like so many pictures, and go through each picture, uh, you know, one by one to start to understand a breast in motion. But the, the technology has really changed over the last decade and... In 2010, they got that new piece of technology. And so now they're able to capture a breast in motion really well. And they uh, that's how they f- have found that the breast doesn't just move up and down. It moves side to side. It can move around in this figure eight uh, kind of pattern. Now, why study it? You know, why is this a big area of interest? Well, a third of women report breast pain or discomfort with activity. And among elite athletes, that percentage is even higher. The researchers found that elite female athletes, 44% of them say they experience breast pain and discomfort while training and competing. That's a lot. And I'm sure a lot of you listening have experienced some type of discomfort or pain in some activity at some point in your life. And a well-fitting, supportive sports bra reduces the magnitude of movement and can help reduce pain or discomfort, which means that women will train, will want to train, are more likely to train and do exercise or do an activity. A lot of the research has actually found that breast pain or discomfort is in the top five reasons why women avoid certain activities or certain modes of exercise such as running because of breast pain and discomfort. There is also an emotional role that gets talked about in the research, uh, an emotional role that bras play and they support us emotionally, pun intended. (laughs) 
they they talk about how they really have the power to fuel confidence and to help women really feel prepared and powerful when they train. And I don't know about you, but I definitely that resonates with me because if I I remember one day a few months ago, I put on a bra at home and I went to the gym. And it's one of these bras that has a zipper at the front and then it has all of these little, um, you know, on the straps, you can pull out the, the strap or the clip and it has all of these little slits uh, in the strap, which makes it tighter or looser. And I remember that I got ready and I zipped it up and it's a bit of an effort to put the zip up on it. And then I felt like I had the straps uh, at their correct setting. Now, they feel better for me if it's a crisscross, but they were just straight strapped that morning. I got to the gym and I started to warm up and the strap just kept falling off my shoulder and I kept pulling it back up. And then my boobs felt like they were just going to fall out the top because the straps weren't tight. In the end, I had to walk over to another woman and say, would you mind fixing my bra for me? (laughs) And so I stripped off my shirt and she had to unclasp the bra and tighten it up. Um, And then I felt good, you know, then I could go into the session, I could focus, I could concentrate. But when we're not in something that we feel confident in, that we feel supported in, we don't feel prepared to train and we don't feel powerful in that session. So having a bra that fits and feels good, that supports you, helps you walk into that session more confidently, more prepared, more powerfully and more focused. So when the researchers dug into the biomechanical data, they found that women may experience uh, greater ground reaction forces when running in a low support bra and so to compensate for the discomfort they may change their gait so their legs may not swing through the full range of motion some women bring their arms closer to their rib cage uh, to control the side to side movement so that's what I was just talking about before when I do plyometrics you know there's a compensation there so there becomes this rigidity in my upper body uh And, you know, this tightness that I'm compressing through the rib cage, the focus then moves away from the activity, away from the plyometric movement, because it's all about my breasts. And we don't want that because that impacts our performance. And so they've done a lot of research when it comes to running, jumping and bouncing. And what a lot of the research shows is that women will actually change their entire gait if they don't feel supported and there's too much bounce or discomfort uh, in their in their chest so the upper body in particular like the pec and the front of the shoulder they that they have to work harder to maintain that tighter more restrictive posture they've also looked at breathing uh, and how women breathe less frequently because they don't want to experience the pain that can come along with, um, you know, breathing and expanding the rib cage and the breasts moving. Or on the other flip side, 
for myself, when I was wearing those two sports bras, it was really strict, like it was really restricting. So it's like compressing the, the rib cage and it changes um, the breath. So the ability to breathe deeply, um, the ability to breathe well and the frequency of that breathing so when runners they they did a study and they looked at women running and when they wore a poorly fitted bra they found that they took uh, on average steps that were four centimeters shorter compared with uh when they wore a, a sports bra that fitted and supported them well And that over, you know, a long distance, if we extrapolate that over a half marathon or a marathon, that's a lot of change, a lot of change in gait, maybe a lot of change in uh, breathing and a lot of change in that step, that distance. Uh, In the research, you know, women will report that they won't do particular activities because of the discomfort uh, that they experience during those activities. So those, think of those higher intensity uh, impact sports, running, any type of jumping, you know, netball, volleyball, tennis, uh, where there's a lot of movement that is going on through the body and through the breast tissue. So let's talk about the history of the sports bra. Uh, As I have said in previous podcasts, I am reading a really cool book right now called Up to Speed by Christine Yu. And I'd love to get her on the podcast. I'm going to try. I'm going to try and get her on the podcast. And in this book, there is a section on boobs and breast health uh, and the history of the sports bra and the current research around... um, uh, breasts and training. And so I highly recommend that book. I know I've said it multiple times, but it is a really cool book. And so some of the stuff that I'm talking about today, I've pulled from Christine's book. The others I've pulled from Portsmouth uh, University that really have that breast research lab that specialize in, in all of this stuff that we're talking about today. But I found, you know, in Christine's book, she speaks about the history of the sports bra. So, of course, I read that. And then I went, you know, digging deep into the women that created the first sports bra, read their stories and their work. And I actually just purchased uh, a book from one of the original creators of the first sports bra that I, uh, I'm really excited to, to read So in the 1970s, there was this exercise boom. Uh, A movement came through and what happened in that movement around that time was, you know, it's kind of this liberation for women to really get involved in physical activity. So a lot of women started to, to participate in sport and physical activity and running. And among one of those to take up running was Lisa Lindahl. And she was in her 20s at the time. She worked part-time at a university, the University of uh, Vermont, while she was finishing her undergrad. And the first time that she ran, she couldn't even run a mile without stopping she practiced and practiced and then she ran, finally ran her first mile and she felt like she had won Olympic gold. 
but she couldn't figure out how to stop her breasts from bouncing. I hear ya. I hear ya, Lisa. And every other woman out there who has decent sized breasts, I'm sure she hears you too. So she went looking for one. She went searching for, uh, you know, a bra to support her breasts while running. Now, back then, all, all of the women wore an everyday bra. So just the everyday kind of low support, lacy type, you know, plain kind of bra. And she went searching and searching and she tried multiple different types of bras, but some were painful, some rubbed uh, they chafed her they were really low support so she didn't actually get any support and she really wondered she said to her sister one day who also took up running at that time you know we really need something akin to a jock strap for women <laughs> so she convinced her friend Polly Smith who was a costume designer uh, at the time to help her come up with a design, to design a new bra that would support her and her sister and all of these women that wanted to, to take up running. So one day uh, they were at home in the, you know, they were trying to plan this design and her husband came downstairs and her husband uh, had this jock strap pulled over his chest and he said, here ladies, here's your jock bra. <laughs> And so they made a bra from two jock straps and named it Jog Bra by women for women. And that was the first bra made out of two jock straps uh, by, <laughs> by these women who really just wanted to run and not be uncomfortable. So they actually sold the company in 1990, where it became known as Champion Jog Bra. Uh, which still exists today. So prior to its introduction, uh, as I said, women wore these regular bras or these fashion bras during activities. And then they had this, uh, you know, this birth of or introduction of the jog bra. And the sports bra industry has really grown since then. And it's now... When I looked it up, it's now more than a $9 billion industry. It consists of approximately 25% of the total bra market and is estimated to grow to $38.4 billion by 2026. Isn't that crazy? But the thing is that sports bras aren't the most comfortable things or flattering things to wear. And shopping for one can feel like a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> the interesting thing is, is that a lot of research has found that women actually fail simple knowledge tests when it comes to bras and bra fits. So a study found that 88% of female adolescents wore a bra during sport that did not fit correctly while 85% of them failed a simple knowledge test on bras and bra fit. So there is a lady called Joanna Wakefield Skur, and she is a biomechanist. So uh, 
She studies biomechanics and she's a professor and head of the research group in breast health at University of Portsmouth. And something really cool, uh, her and her team consulted with the Lionesses, which is a soccer team in the UK, before the tournament, uh, before the World Cup, to help them find the best sports bra for the World Cup. Uh, And the Football Association reached out to her and her team because she had previously done work with Olympic athletes and uh, on designing bespoke bras for Olympic athletes. Uh, There's actually a study on her website uh, that I read by her and her team. And it's a multi-phase intervention study of sports bras uh, prescription for elite UK female athletes preparing for Tokyo Olympics and the Paralympics. So what they did was they worked with 142 UK female athletes preparing for Tokyo uh, and they were across 27 sports, so 20 different seven, 27 different sports uh, they were competing in. And in this multi-phase intervention, they assessed breast and bra knowledge preferences. They issued uh, these via surveys and a breast bra assessment. So the data was used to develop two sports bras. So what they did was they got these 142 UK athletes across 27 sports. They first did an assessment on their breast and bra knowledge and preferences, and they issued that through a survey and an assessment. And so then from that data, they developed two sports bras and a total of 112 athletes were prescribed one of the new bras. Uh, through individual assessments. So then they pulled them in and then they assessed them individually and they gave them one of the the two that they had created. So after four weeks, uh, the athletes uh, completed evaluations. Uh, So they wore the bra for four weeks during training uh, and then they gave an evaluation. So pre-intervention, so prior to doing this, the breast and the bra knowledge was low, 83% um, below average. Multiple breast and bra issues were reported and most athletes wore ill-fitting loose bras, so offering limited support. Post-intervention, so after the four weeks, uh, 63% reported improved knowledge and 97% reported their prescribed bra as better than their original bra. 87% reported benefiting from this intervention with 17% reporting improved performance. This intervention effectively assessed sports bra needs, developed and implemented solutions which improved knowledge and potentially performance for some UK athletes. So what they have found is that when they're working with these athletes, uh, if they assess and design more specific or bespoke sports bras, they can have a performance benefit. So she's actually been studying breasts, uh, how breasts impact athletic performance for well over a decade. I think it's like 17 years. And part of the methodology that she uses involves having athletes exercise braless to get a baseline of tissue movement and then repeat the activity with various sports bras to gauge how different models can potentially improve performance. So at the 
lab, athletes run on a treadmill without a bra while there's sensors on their breasts. And that records that three-dimensional movement of the tissue. So those exercises are then repeated in various, uh, a variety of sports bras while Researchers study how different bras create or restrict motion and change the stress on the body. So the research team found that compression top bras, which crush crush breast tissue against the chest wall and are commonly worn by soccer players, may not be the best model for sport. So she... um, Wakefield said, by compressing the uh, breast tissue towards the chest wall, sort of joining the left and the right breast together and minimizing movement, it creates a heavier mass in the chest area. Instead, the research demonstrates that bras that encapsulate each breast separately help athletes improve movement efficiency. Uh, So this is what this is the work that they did with the lionesses. when the Football Association, uh, they learned of this work and her research, they brought her and her team on to uh, work with them. So she spent, you know, almost 20 years studying women, studying female athletes and trying to help them find the right sports bra, a good sports bra to for comfort, for support, And there's this element of improving performance. So what makes a good sports bra? When you look at the research, you look at her work, uh, a good sports bra aims to deliver on two counts. One is comfort and two is performance. So finding a good sports bra is highly individual, uh, as a lot of the research shows. They're even making bespoke Uh, bras for each woman so how a woman wants uh, their bra to fit and feel from the amount of uh, motion control so movement to the amount of compression can differ between woman to woman Uh, they're also finding that the preference will vary based on age breast size breast uh, tissue composition sport activity So in her book, Up to Speed, Christine talks about how the history of um, the bra and sports bra sizing and how it's really an imprecise system. So there's an array of cup sizes. So A to, you know, we could keep going, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. uh, But what they're finding is that it's, it's actually, it was originally meant to distinguish between, you know, small to large uh, breast tissue size, but it's actually not aligned with any real volu- volumetric details. And they found the same thing with the, the uh, band sizes. So they're finding that it's really just an arbitrary calculation based on the circumference of our rib cage. And then we've got, you know, some brands put small, medium and large sizes that really superimpose themselves on all of those uh, cup and band sizes. So and then from brand to brand, uh, the sizing is really different. So a lot of women are having a really hard time actually finding a bra that fits and feels good. 
So normally uh, the, the bra is created based on a certain range of vertical displacement. So you'll see that bras are classified as high, medium and low support. And what they look at in the research when they classify them is that vertical displacement. So the distance that they're traveling up and down. And then with the bra, they're looking at what that bra does to minimize that displacement. And then they can classify them as high, medium or low support. But from, the, from reading the research uh, and the science and looking into sports bras and sports bra design, it seems like it's a little bit of a cocktail to me. Like there's this cocktail of science, art, and really a little bit of magic when it comes to creating these really important um, pieces of clothing that we just really haven't nailed. And by the sounds of it, we just haven't, you know, up until the last decade, we haven't had the technology to fully understand the breast and the breast in motion. And prior to that, you know, a lot of the exercise science field is run by males and they just never thought it was important to to study breasts and breast tissue and again it's kind of like the menstrual cycle and periods not a lot of women would have spoken about it for a really long time so there's this element of really opening up the conversation of like hey actually my breasts get in the road or they're uncomfortable or they're painful Uh, but it's a bit of this cocktail. So we need a bit of science. We need a bit of art, which kind of comes this idea of the feel, uh, the costume design element and a bit of magic. I think we want to try and find this sweet spot between comfort and support. And I think that's what a lot of the the brands, the bra designers, the researchers uh, who collaborate with the designers are really struggling with. They're struggling to find this beautiful balance between comfort and support. So as the support increases, often the uh, comfort decreases. And if it's too comfortable, it's not supportive. And then women are, you know, also quite particular around their bra. So some women don't want the zipper to be in the front or, you know, they don't want to be able to see the zipper through the shirt. There's women that want them to be padded. uh, So, you know, we can't see their nipples when, their training or finishing a race. So there's all of these like psychological or emotional mental um, variables as well when it comes to our body image and our confidence with wearing this piece of clothing. So in the research, they talk about uh, two types of sports bras, especially when it comes to high impact. Uh, The encapsulation sports bra and the compression sports bra. So the compression sports bra is kind of how it sounds. It compresses the breasts. Uh, (laughs) It keeps them close to the body for less movement while working out. And they normally recommend uh, this type of sports bra for women with smaller to medium busts uh, because most of them actually don't have the cup support uh, uh, designed in them, which can be uncomfortable for women who have larger breasts. Also, many uh, women can complain that the compressive sports bras leaves them with this kind of uniboob look. Uh, <laughs> while it doesn't bother some women, it can. As I said, there is definitely a you know an image aesthetic uh, component to this. Then there's the encapsulation sports bra, and it's designed with separate cups, like a typical underwear bra, and it's also 
really common for these uh, sports bras to come with adjustable bands and straps and underwire details. So this, the encapsulation sports bra provides extra support uh, and is really favored in the research by those with fuller busts and athletes that are doing higher impact uh, sports. So running, dancing, or any activities that require a lot of that vertical uh, movement up and down. So basically it provides this well-structured um, bra without squeezing your breasts. So it just encapsulates them. Now, how do we choose the right sports bra for us? One, it should minimize breast movement. That's what we want it to do, especially if we've got larger breasts. We ideally want our breasts to not move a lot uh, <laughs> and they should move in unison with our torso and not bounce excessively up and down by themselves. So the less that they move, the better. And so then we kind of come to this predicament around okay they need to be super supported but a lot of those super supportive bras can be really uncomfortable all right so let's look at a few things uh, and you know I highly recommend you go and see a, a bra specialist and get fit um, for a proper sports bra but this is what they look at so they look at the band uh, which sits around you know, the, the ribs underneath the boobs. And they say that it needs to be made of strong, wide elastic material so it can support your breasts without riding up. Uh, so larger bra sizes require larger bands. So you want that band to be nice and thick so it sits down on the rib cage uh, properly and it also supports, it creates a shelf for the breast. The strap should be wide and padded for comfort so they don't dig into your shoulders. The cup should, well, your breasts must be completely covered or encased in the cups to effectively limit breast movement. So we can't have any of this overhang out of the side of the cup. If the bra has underwire, it must fit the shape of your breasts correctly. Uh, and so soft breast tissue is not designed to tolerate underwire digging <laughs> into it uh, so you, we need to make sure that it actually sits down properly uh, on the rib cage and up the side of the breast uh, if we can't find a bra that has correct underwiring that fits us properly then we can choose a non-underwire soft cut bra instead uh, and some of the encapsulation bras actually don't have the underwire underneath them the front band, so the center of the bra between the cups should sit on your breast bone, not your breast tissue. And the material should be able to wick sweat away from your body to keep you cool, but not irritate your, your skin. So crop tops uh, should be made of this strong elastic material that can compress your breasts firmly against your chest. And then we've got this, um, you know, encapsulated uh, bra, which encases each breast. And the biggest thing that they're finding is the feel. And so Lululemon brought out their in light bra in 2017 after years and years and years of research. 
And one of their biggest um, intentions with the Enlight Bra was to really encapsulate how women want to feel in a bra. So they've got a really strong feel uh, um, story around their bra, whereas other brands will have a really strong support story around their bra. But I think this idea of the the feel is really important. Um, and so the research really concludes that it is apparent that breast movement and the reduction of the movement is multifaceted. <laughs> uh, it's a function of breast size, of bra design and movement and activity type. So they do say that we actually need more research uh, which seems to be a theme when it comes to women and women and research around the menstrual cycle and breast health uh, and, uh, you know, bras. But what they are, where I, from what I can gather with what I've read is that, yes, we need more research. It's a big issue. We need women to feel more supported, more comfortable uh, in their athletic attire so they can participate in their sport, enjoy their sport or activity and perform at their best. But where it's kind of going, I, I think this idea of a bespoke bra, an individually created and designed bra for you based on your own body, your likes, how you want to feel um, and potentially as we, you know, as we age or go through different seasons of our lives that those bras are going to change uh, and there is this need for us to continually be supported and fitted uh, for these very individualized bespoke bras. And I get it. It makes so much sense. Obviously, from a cost perspective and a production perspective, that just sounds outrageous and insane because you can't mass produce bespoke individualized bras. <laughs> but... um I think that's what a lot of women need, our body shapes and our sizes and our likes and our, we're, it's so, dif so different uh, and just shoving us in a generic model, even though, yes, it's been better researched, better studied, uh, it may not be the exact bra for our body and our breasts, uh, the way that we want to feel feel in a bra and so that might be the way of the future <laughs> bespoke bras pretty cool business opportunity there um expensive I think but that's all I have for you I just wanted to bring it to your attention uh and really just highlight the fact that I hear you and I see you and there are other amazing women researchers out there and males of course that are are researching this area that want to take better care of your breasts, that are trying to come up with better sports bras. And this is a big issue. Uh, this is a huge issue for a lot of women. And I hope this was helpful um, for you to know that there are people out there studying it. There are other women out there struggling with it. And trying to go on a mission to to, and invest, invest, I love that word, invest in 
a really good quality sports bra, it's really important uh, because you want to feel comfortable and you want to feel confident when you walk into that gym or onto the court, uh, onto the field to do your activity, or you show up to that start line for a run. You don't want to be touching your breasts and your bra 50 million times. You know, you want to feel supported. You don't want to be experiencing pain or discomfort when you're training. So we got to get you in something that fits and feels really good. Uh, so it won't be a barrier for you to enjoy training. Okay, that's it. That's all for me today. We have, what did I just do? Did we just do 10? I think we just did 10. Okay, so that means I have 11, 12 and 13 to go. Are you still with me? We've got three more. Uh, okay, well, I'll see you tomorrow. So I'll be back back here and we'll do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then we'll have a really special episode come out on Friday for her birthday. Sound like a plan? Okay, Warrior Woman, bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't... Please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, warrior woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.